0: Amen. That's a special song for me. That was one of my uh, grandfather's favorites and the song uh, that we sang in uh, hospice care for him um, right before he passed. So a special song there. We do serve uh, a marvelous God and how great uh, thou art, how great his creation. So again, it's good to be with you all again. Uh, I'd like to wish you all a happy Valentine's Day. Um, I was supposed to be spending uh, Valentine's Day without my Valentine. Jamie is supposed to be in Oklahoma today uh, visiting her Grammy. Uh, but her sister got she 's going with her sister, but her sister got sick this past week, so they had to postpone it for a couple of weeks. So I get to celebrate with my Valentine uh, and I hope that you all a- are able to enjoy today not just a day in which we focus uh, on our love for our significant others, but it 's a day in which we can focus on our love for uh, those who are close to us, a day in which we can focus on our love towards one another as we are all uh, a part. Uh, of a family. And it's a day in which we can focus on the love that uh, we have for God and uh, the ultimate love that God has for us, a love that we can't even begin uh, to comprehend. Um. And so as we celebrate Valentine's Day today, a day all about uh, love, uh, I just wanted to read for you all uh, as we open up this message here. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. um, This is uh, the love chapter you might have heard before. Um, These are the words of the Apostle Paul. Um, It's right in between when uh, Paul is talking about the spiritual gifts uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit in chapters 12 and chapters 14 of uh, the the gifts that we receive with with God's Holy Spirit. And in the midst of it, at at the center of, of these gifts, we need to have a love. And so Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, he says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. So uh, a great chapter there, uh, 1 Corinthians 13. You guys can remember that one. Uh, the love chapter, as Paul talks about the importance of love, the power of love. We, some people may have the gift of uh, prophecy, being able to speak God's word. He's talking about uh, the gift of tongues, which they talked about frequently back then. We can have all these different gifts, but if we have if we don't have love in our life, then Paul says, then we are nothing. And and that's the value that love has in our lives. God is described as love, says God is love. And so today, I I know a lot of people have mixed feelings about uh, the holiday, uh, Valentine's Day, and many probably have good reason. Uh, But if for nothing else, we can focus on the love that God has for us, the love that we should try and reflect back to him as we serve a loving loving father who loves each and every one of us on an individual basis that that is nuts that is nuts that the 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 creator of the heavens and the earth loves you as an individual that 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 just blows my mind if it doesn't blow your mind uh i don't know what to tell you that that is uh just awesome that our God loves us, and today as we celebrate Valentine's Day, as you focus on the love that you may have with your significant other or your family or friends, whoever it may be, also reflect on that love that God has for each and every one of you, a love that's unfailing, unwavering, a love uh, that is uncomprehendable. And so today as we uh, continue our series uh, on the power of habits and after we talked about all that love, um, we're we're actually almost done with this series on the power of habits. Um, And I hope all of you have gotten some sort of value out of this series. Um, I hope that you're able to implement good habits in your life and I hope you are able to break down habits uh, in your life. Ultimately, the, the idea, the vision is for you to build habits habits in order for you to grow closer to God and expand God's coming kingdom. That's our vision as a church, growing closer to God and expanding his kingdom. If we aren't doing that, I talked about this in our North Hills Motivation this past week. If we aren't growing closer to God and expanding God's kingdom, let me tell you, we are failing. We are failing as a church. On the other hand, if we are growing closer to God and we are expanding God's kingdom, Now let me tell you, we are winning. We are winning, we are succeeding, we are doing the work of God. And I think it is crucial for us in order to grow closer to God and expand his kingdom, I think it's crucial for us to focus on our habits. Uh, Just this past week as as I was uh, looking over uh, the the sermon and and doing some research, um, I saw that the University of Duke, I'm not a big fan of Duke, I'm a big uh, college basketball guy and Duke always beats up on on my Spartans. Rob probably knows, uh, he can relate with me there. But the University of Duke, uh, the the smart people over there, they they did a study on habits and they said that habits make up about 40% of what we do as human beings. So on any given day, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday, any given day, on average, habits make up about 40% of our behavior on any particular day. That's incredible. That's the power of habits have in our life. We're talking about 40% of our life right now in this series uh, about the power of habits. So again, I think this is extremely important material. Uh, the, The main source of information, I don't have the book up here with me, but the main source of information for this series is Atomic Habits by James Clear. You can order it on Amazon or whatever. If you want a copy of the book, you can come see me and we can order you a copy. I know a handful of you guys uh, have received a copy, and I know a handful of you guys have uh, started reading through it or have read all the way through it, and uh, I've heard uh, good things regarding that. Um, I sincerely enjoyed the book and got a lot of value, and I think we as a church can get a lot of value as well. And so as we started this series a handful of weeks ago, the first week we talked about how little changes equal a big difference. When we implement these little habits in our life, they can make a big difference in the long run. And then the second week, we talked about identity, and identity is so important. When we're talking about habits and really just our lives in general, we have to start with our identity. We have to know who we want to become. And then uh, in our third week, we talked... Uh, so the first two weeks, so let me back up a bit. The first two weeks, we talked about the why. Why we need to talk about habits, why they are so important. And then these last four weeks, we're talking about the how. How can we develop good habits in our lives? And how can we break down the bad habits in our lives? And James Clear, the, the author of uh, the book Atomic Habits, he uh, illustrates four steps to building a habit. And those four steps are the cue, the craving the response and the reward. And so that uh, a couple of weeks ago we talked about the cue, the very first step. And we're trying to make good habits in our life, we need to make the cue obvious. We're trying to break down bad habits, the cue needs to be invisible. And then last week we talked about the craving. When we want to build a good habit, we need these habits to be as attractive as possible. We're trying to break down bad habits in our life. We need them to be as unattractive as possible, which which is uh, a lot easier said than done. And so today, as we continue this year, we're going to focus on the third step of building a habit, and the third step, again, is the response. So now we are finally getting into the actual action of the habit. You know, the cue and the craving, you know, those are just kind of ramping us up for the habit. It's when we take note of something, and we have this desire to do it. So the first, those first two weeks, we just ramping up to it, but now we're actually getting into the action, we're actually getting into performing the habit. And so an example that we've used uh, is our phone ringing. Our phone ringing, that is our cue. The craving is our desire to pick it up and see who is calling us or if it's a text message, whatever it may be. And then the response is actually taking that phone out of our pocket or wherever it may be and, and seeing who it is. So that is the response. And so when we are trying to build a good habit, we need that response to be as easy as possible. So when we're building good habits, we need the response to be easy. When we're trying to break down a bad habit, we need the response to be difficult. And that's going to be our focus today on making good habits easy and making bad habits difficult in our lives. And it's important that we make our habits easy or or the good habits that we want to implement in our lives. It's important that we make them easy because of the law of least effort. The law of least effort says that we naturally gravitate towards the option that requires the least amount of work. And let me tell you, I am a huge culprit of the law of least effort, especially I know in my life, uh, a wonderful example for me is when it comes to cooking. Uh, When I was in college and and really was the only time period of my life where I did most of my own cooking, Um, even then Jamie uh, cooked a lot for me when uh, we started dating. Uh, But when I was in college, I had a constant diet of cereal, uh, Pop-Tarts, pizza rolls, uh, frozen pizza, bagels, whatever it may be. And I, let me tell you, I didn't eat these things because I really enjoyed it. I wasn't just craving a frozen pizza. Although let me tell you, sometimes I do crave a good frozen pizza. But I wasn't craving these cereal or Pop-Tarts or anything. It's not because they were so delicious. But I had a constant diet of these things. is because it required the least amount of effort from me. I, I, I lived that law of least effort. I gravitated towards the option that required the least amount of work for me. My roommates often joked and asked me, he's like, how are you even still living, Kyle, with your awful diet that you have in place? Because again, I pretty much only cooked what, what, what took the least amount of effort. Are there, are there any other cooks like, out there like me? You're only gonna cook the stuff that takes the least amount of effort. Ken, it's a good thing you're married. Yeah, Brian's a good thing you're married as well. Uh, you guys can relate with me. Eh? We're, we're just gonna do whatever takes the least amount of effort of effort. I know an example that will probably apply uh, to most of us is when it comes to watching TV. How many of you guys, when you sit down on the couch and and you turn on the TV and then all of a sudden you realize the TV is too quiet, your baby is yelling in the other room, or your wife is trying to talk to you and you're just trying to watch the TV, whatever it may be, (laughs) I'm gonna get in trouble. (laughs) Whatever it may be, you realize that your show or game, whatever you're watching, is just too quiet. So I, I have a poll for you. How many of you guys, raise your hand if you, when you realize the TV is too quiet, if you get up from your seat and you click the buttons on the TV to turn the volume up? Raise your hand. <laughs> yeah, nobody. All right. Now, how many of you guys, raise your hand when you realize the TV is too quiet, you simply grab the remote and, and you turn the volume up? Raise your hand. Uh, or how many should? I probably should. Yes, thank you, Jen. Yes, so, so we, we all, if we have the remote easily accessible, we, we don't bother taking the effort to go stand up and, and turn the volume up, click the buttons on the TV because we have to get up, walk to the TV, click the buttons, then walk back and sit down. Or on the other hand, we can just have the remote in our hand and, and click the volume up button a couple of times. And why do we do that? It's because it takes the least amount of effort. That is the law of least effort in action in each and every one of our lives. And and, and if you begin to think about this law of least effort, I, I, I would imagine that you could probably think of a lot of things where you go, hey, yeah, I do live out this law of least effort. In general, I gravitate towards the options that require the least amount of work. Now, this law of least effort that can be very dangerous when trying to start a new good habit in our lives because habits are always the hardest at the beginning. Ben, if you could go ahead and, and uh, show us this next slide here, uh, a graph of uh, these habits. So this graph is showing how automatic habits become. That's on the y-axis. And then how many times we repeat uh, the, this habit, the repetitions. And so you'll notice uh, that this graph We're at the beginning of a habit. It is not automatic at all. We, we have to put a lot of thought and concentration and effort in starting a new habit. Now, fortunately, when, when we uh, repeat the, this habit more and more, it becomes more and more automatic in our lives. Or in other words, we, we have to exert less and less effort in our lives. And eventually, you, you see that habit line. Eventually, these new actions that we're trying to implement in our lives, they do become a habit that we don't really have to give much thought to. But unfortunately for us, when, when, uh, when again building these new good habits in our life, they take a lot of effort at first. We have to really sit down and think about it. We we have to motivate ourselves to do it because we're not in a system of repeating this habit. And so this kind of goes contrary with the law of least effort because we naturally gravitate towards the option that takes the least amount of effort. And so sometimes when when we're trying to build these new habits, we resort to willpower. We, we resort to motivation. We go, I'm going to get up this morning and I'm going to go read my Bible uh, for 15 minutes or I'm going to go wake up and, and, and pray to God. And we have this willpower. And let me tell you, that willpower, that motivation, it'll probably work for you in the first couple of days. But then you'll, you'll probably slip up. But then maybe a week later, you're going to have that motivation again. You're going to have that willpower saying, hey, I'm going to get up again and I'm going to read God's word. How many of you guys have experienced this when, when trying to implement a new habit? I know I have repeatedly, when when, when I have these good intentions, I'm I'm a visionary person, I like to focus on the big picture, Uh, I'm driven by success, so I like to implement a lot of these good habits, but a lot of times I resort to that motivation, and a lot of these times I implement these good habits for a couple of days, but then I lose motivation. Because uh, research uh, suggests that our willpower, our motivation is like a muscle. When we use that muscle frequently, it becomes fatigued in the long run. And so it's not a good idea to to resort to willpower and motivation. They they, they are great in the moment, but ultimately that willpower, that motivation cannot be the main driving force behind implementing a new habit in your life. Because just like any muscle, when we use it repeatedly, it grows fatigued, it gets worn out, and we can't rely on it. And so James Clear, he suggests that when we're implementing a new habit in our life, we need to make it as easy as possible. Make it as easy as possible when implementing these new habits in our life. You can bring it it down 10 notches when you're first trying to implement a new habit, and then you can build your way back up. If you remember our first week when when talking about this new series, uh, we we talked about how how if you just get 1% better every single day for a full year, by the end of that year, you'll be over 37 times better. So start small. Start easy. Because at the beginning of a habit, it takes more willpower. It takes more effort. And the law of least effort tells us that we're naturally going to gravitate away from that. We're naturally going to gravitate toward, uh, away from the options that, we, that require more effort from us. So instead of trying to climb Mount Everest in one day, break it down. Break it down into different sections and start small and build your way up. You don't have to climb it all in one day. And so as we talk about making the, the, these good habits easy in our lives and bad habits difficult in our lives, I want to give you guys uh, three practical steps, kind of a similar format to last week. So three practical steps in how we can make good habits easy and bad habits difficult. And so that first practical step is prime your environment. The second practical step is master the decisive moment. And the third step is the two-minute rule, and we'll break down each of those practical steps. So step number one, prime your environment. We need to be preparing our environment to make future actions easier, or on the flip side, if we're trying to break down a bad habit, we need to prime our environment, prepare our environment, and make those habits more difficult in our lives. Creating an environment where doing the right thing is as easy as possible and doing the wrong thing is as difficult as possible. That's the objective when priming your environment. When, when I think about this topic of priming your environment, my mind immediately goes to school and school teachers. We, I know we have a couple of teachers in here. Teachers are notorious, and school staff, they are notorious for building a positive learning environment in their classroom they're, they're, they're creating a, a good environment of learning for future sec- success because they want it to make it as easy as possible for their kids to learn because, because that's their, their main objective in school. My brother-in-law, Aaron Winner, uh, he is a middle school teacher and he's known for this. He spends hours and hours and hours and a lot of money focusing on the environment of his classroom. Because he sees the value, he sees the importance of the environment. And I, and I know growing up uh, through school, I know a, a lot of my teachers, the ones uh, who, who put forth a lot of effort, they really focus on the environment. And they try to make learning as easy as possible. And so teachers in general, they do a phenomenal job priming their environment for they're students because they see the importance of making this learning as easy as possible. And so we too, we, we, we need to exemplify many of, of the school teachers that you might have had growing up or many of the school teachers that are our friends today. We need to a- a- exemplify uh, what, what they are doing in priming their environments and we need to apply it to our lives on a daily basis. We need to prime our environment beforehand. These teachers, they spend all the work before the school year begins. They prime their environment beforehand. They're not doing it after the fact. It's not at the end of the year where they say, all right, I'm going to get this environment good for learning. No, that that would be pointless. That would be useless. We need to prime our environment before we actually take action. And so I've used this example before, but let's say you want to start a new habit of reading God's word every night before going to bed. If, that's you, if you're someone who wants to build that good habit, then a great tip of advice would be to set your Bible on your nightstand, or even better, set your Bible on your pillow so that every time when you go to lay down at night, it's right there for you. It's as easy as possible. You don't have to walk into your bedroom and think, hey, I should probably read my Bible, then have to go walk downstairs or wherever your Bible is. But instead, just have it laying on your nightstand Or even better, when you wake up every morning, just set the Bible from your nightstand onto your pillow. That'll that'll be both good for your cue. That's making the cue very obvious. And also, that's making the response very easy. Because we just go to lay down in bed and we pick up our Bible and read it. And, And that is a great tip of advice. If you're trying to build that habit of reading God's Word, a habit that we should all implement In our lives, as we all need to be digging deep into God's Word um, personally, on on a personal level, not just here on church on Sundays or Wednesdays, but throughout the week, we, we need to be digging deep into God's Word. We need to be reading God's Word. And and I know for a lot of people, at night is a great time for them. And so if that's you, set your Bible on your pillow, set your Bible on your nightstand. Or if you like to read it in the mornings with your favorite cup of coffee, you like to entice that craving, then just set your Bible right there. Make it as easy as possible. So prime your environment. Think about the teachers out there who, who put all this energy and time on priming their environment. And we need to apply that same behavior in our daily lives by priming our environment. So that's the first practical step uh, uh, of building good habits and breaking down bad habits. The second practical step to, to make good habits easy and bad habits difficult is to master the decisive moment. We need to optimize the small choices that deliver outsized impact. So frequently throughout our days, we we make a little choice that in the end has a big impact in our lives. And James Clear calls these the the decisive moments. And we need to master the decisive moments. Because many habits that that occur throughout a daily life, uh, they serve as a fork in the road. And they can either send you down this direction, if we partake of this habit, or if we partake of a different habit, they can send us down a a, a different direction, a a different road. And for many of us, when uh, we focus on these decisive moments, they can often lead us down to having a productive day, or they can lead us down towards having an unproductive day. In the year 2014, uh, Navy SEAL Admiral William McRaven uh, performed the commencement speech at the University of Texas. Um, it's a speech that probably a lot of you guys have actually heard uh, a snippet of, and it was a great speech. Um, and in the midst of the speech, of this commencement speech that this Navy SEAL delivered to these graduates, he said, I quote, if you wanna change the world, start off by, does anybody know the rest of the sentence? making your bed. Absolutely. If you want to change the world, start off by making your bed. And when when I, when I first heard that, I remember this guy is goofy. This guy is goofy. If you want to change the world, start off by making your bed. But making your bed in the morning, I'm going to tell you right now, I do not make my bed. We 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 do not make our beds. But when you make your bed in the morning, it serves as an act of productivity. And that one act of productivity leads to another because there's a cause and effect to every action in our lives. And so before you know it, after you may make your bed, that's just one example It can lead you to go uh, make breakfast. It can lead you to go uh, read a book or whatever it may be. And this one small act, this one small decisive moment leads you down a different path. For me, if I want to have a productive day, I know that I have to take a shower. I know that could sound goofy to some of you guys, but if I want to have a productive day, I have to shower. Because that one act of shower, it's a decisive moment. That one act of shower, it causes me, it has an effect to, for me to uh, partake in other productivity, productive activities throughout the day. On Saturdays, I'll often uh, play with Ezra in the mornings, and we'll often watch a movie uh, with Jamie as well. And sometimes uh, we'll we'll be playing, hanging out, and sometimes it'll be four or even five o'clock in the evening, and I haven't showered all day, I've been lazy all day, and I say, I need to go take a shower. And I know for for the longest time, Jamie gave me so much grief. Why are you taking a shower at four or five o'clock in the evening when, when we have nowhere to go? And and I couldn't really put it into words back then because I I didn't have the exact reasoning. But now I do because that shower for me, that serves as a decisive moment in my life. Because I know for me, when I, when I take that shower, when I have that bit of productivity, it leads me to go uh, read my Bible, it leads me, leads me to go read a book or, or work on, on, on different church stuff. And that one act of productivity leads me down, it causes me to partake in these other productive acts. Is anybody else like me with with the showers? Do you have to take a shower if you want to be productive? Yeah, a handful of you guys can relate with me. And I'm guessing you guys all have something similar. It may not be a shower. You may not need a shower every day to to be productive. Maybe it's you got to eat your breakfast, whatever it may be. Maybe you got to make your bed every morning. But I'm guessing a lot of us have that one decisive moment in the morning that kind of leads us down uh, a productive or unproductive path the rest of the day. But that's just one example. We have a number of different decisive moments in our life. And we can have a lot of good decisive moments, small decisive moments like making your bed or taking a shower. But we can also have many bad decisive moments in our lives as well. You know, if you struggle uh, with with getting drunk, you, you you can make the decisive moment of going to the bar. And that decisive moment of going to the bar, that can ruin you. That can ruin you. That one small decisive moment. If you struggle with gossip maybe, that decisive moment of bringing someone's name up, it can ruin you. Because that, that just bringing that name up, you, you know that'll lead you down the path towards gossip. If you struggle with pornography, that, that one small decision of getting on the internet by yourself at night, it can ruin you. It can ruin you. These decisive moments, they can have a great power in our lives A great positive power, but at the same time, these decisive moments, they can have a tremendous negative power in our lives as well. And we have to take note of, we have to be aware of these decisive moments. We have to use them for our good, and we have to be aware of them when these decisive moments lead us down towards a path of sin, because they have so much power in our lives. So that's the second practical step is master the decisive moment because the decisive moments, they can make good habits easy, you know, kind of automatic, or these decisive moments, they can cause you to automatically go down paths of sin, paths, uh, bad habits that, that you don't want to implement in your life. So master the decisive moment. And then finally, the third practical uh, step that I'll give you guys this morning and how we can make good habits easy in our life and uh, bad habits difficult in our lives is something James Clear calls the two-minute rule. The two-minute rule. The the idea behind this is when you're trying to start a new positive habit in your life, don't let it exceed two minutes. We kind of talked this at the beginning, but, but downscale your habits at first downscale your habits until they can be done in two minutes or less. So again, if we use the example of wanting to build a habit of reading God's Word, if you don't currently have a habit of reading God's Word on a daily basis, then I would encourage you to just start with two minutes. Start with two minutes every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Start with two minutes Say, before I go to bed at night or when I wake up in the morning or whenever is the best time for you, say, I am going to spend two minutes or I'm going to read one page or one chapter of the Bible. It's not difficult. It's easy. It's easy. And so just spend those two minutes, read that one page, read that one chapter. And then when this habit becomes easier and easier to you and it's becoming more and more automatic, then you begin to step your game up. Then you begin to say, hey, Instead of reading my Bible for two minutes, I'm going to read my Bible for five minutes. And then that five minutes becomes 10 minutes. And 10 minutes can become 15. It can just continually build it up. I know some, some great heroes of our faith today that, that read their Bible for hours or over an hour every day. And I'm sure, I'm positive, they did not start out this habit by reading an hour every day. I am positive that for nearly all of them, it would have started by something small, just five minutes a day. they probably thinking to themselves, I can just spend five minutes of my day reading God's word. And it probably built up to 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes, up to an hour or more. And so make it easy at first. Focus on just two minutes of your day. James Clear, he used an example of a guy who went to the gym for just five minutes at first. That would drive me crazy if I drove all the way to the gym and just worked out for five minutes and then went back. I would feel like that is such a waste of my time. However, this guy was able to implement a habit of going to the gym, and after that habit became automatic for him, he was able to increase the time, and he had a very successful habit because of the two-minute rule. Because sometimes we have this motivation, we have this willpower in the moment, and we know that, yeah, reading, reading the Bible for an hour is going to be great in our lives. When we have that motivation, we have that willpower, and the first couple of days go great, but then that motivation, that willpower, it fatigues, and no longer do we have that motivation, no longer do we have that willpower. It's then all of a sudden, instead of reading our Bible for an hour, we're not even reading it at all because we're thinking, I don't have the time in my day to give up an hour. So probably not what you would expect from me, but I would recommend to you if you do not have a current habit of reading God's word on a daily basis, if you don't have a current habit of praying to God on a daily basis, start with two minutes. Give God two minutes of your day. I think every single one of us here, we we can give God two minutes of our day. And I'm telling you that those two minutes can have a big difference in the long run. Small changes equal a big difference. And in the long run, don't, don't settle for two minutes. Don't settle to give God just two minutes of your day. But as, you, as this habit becomes more and more automatic, give God more and more time in your day. There's so much power in this So when you're trying to build a good habit, make it as easy as possible. Just give it two minutes, and whatever habit you're trying to implement in your life, and then build from there. So in summary, kind of like a lecture style this series has been, in summary, what we talked about today, when we're trying to build a good habit, we need to make those good habits as easy as possible. On the flip side, when we're trying to break down a bad habit that's in our life, we need to make it as difficult as possible. And there's three practical steps that we can apply to our lives today to help make this possible. The first step is prime your environment. Beforehand, prime your environment and make your environment as easy as possible, just like a teacher would with their students. Prime your environment beforehand. Again, if you want to read your Bible at night, then place your Bible on your pillow. Prime that environment. The second tip was master the decisive moment. These little decisive moments like taking a shower in our day, master those moments. If we can master those moments both for good and, and those decisive moments that lead us down a bad path, we can the, these habits that follow, they will become automatic, they will become easy in our lives. The third practical step is the two-minute rule. Start small. Start small. Start with just two minutes. Start with five minutes. Start reading just one chapter. Start praying to God just two minutes every day. But do it every day. Repeat this action over and over, and it's easy. You can do it. Every single one of us, every single one of us today, we can read God's word for two minutes. So apply the two-minute rule into your life. And then once that you got that habit down, once you got that habit of reading God's word, Then you can read God's word for five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and so forth. So start small. So make good habits as easy as possible and make those bad habits in your life provide as much friction as possible and make those habits as difficult as possible. And if we do that, if we do that together as a church, I believe that we can build habits in our life to help us grow closer to God and expand his kingdom. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for uh, this day. Father, I thank you for uh, this opportunity uh, to learn, to uh, build good habits in our lives, to break down bad habits in our life. Father, I pray uh, that if there are people here this morning, if they don't currently have a habit of reading your word, or, or praying to you. Father, I pray that they just start small. Father, I pray that they make it easy, that they can seek you and give you just a couple of minutes of their day. And Father, I just pray that they can develop these positive habits in their lives, and that in the long run, they can grow closer to you and expand your coming kingdom. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for being a God of love, We thank you for the ultimate gift of love, you laying your son down for each and every one of us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.